2: you may not become a big shot you may not have a half a billion dollars worth of real estate to worry about like i do but everybody needs to be in real estate in some aspect of their life everybody times are not good in real estate that's just a fact but once it starts bleeding that's when it starts gushing Uh, you know my life's gonna be over I already used up uh, at least 75 percent of my life you know what the real scary part is a lot of your friends start getting seriously ill and they start passing away and that scares the shit out of you because, um, you know, you're going to be one of them.
1: Have you noticed any benefits of cigarette smoking? Like nicotine being in your system? Because there are some studies that show nicotine increases mental acuity. It increases energy levels, focus, etc. Or is it just negative?
2: It's highly addictive. That's number one. You know, that, that, that's, that, that's just a known fact. Mm-hmm. Listen, I've been smoking for—I'm embarrassed to say—forty-five years. My lungs are clear. I have it checked. I don't know effects. I know people that don't smoke get lung cancer. Figure that out. You know, it's—it's it's crazy. I got a poor manager, and she's dying right now—throat of cancer—and she didn't smoke. Um, Do they know but, what caused throat cancer? Well, cancer is a weird thing, you know. But um, I can tell you this. Um, I enjoy it somehow. Call it like an addiction. Maybe it's the addiction that makes me think I'm enjoying it. But in the morning, I can't get rocking and rolling without coffee and a cigarette or two. It's just something that I'm not ready to give up. You know, I don't know. Maybe it's just the addictive, addictive, uh, being addicted to nicotine. I don't know. But it has a lot of bad things. I know. You know that that, that you know that it, it does to you. Um, Like, you know, maybe shortness of breath, things like that. But I think, you know, overweight does too. But um, the point is, it's part of my lifestyle. It may not work for you, and that's fine, you know, but, you know. What does it it feel like, though, to smoke a cigarette? It gives you some sort of high, but not like a a weird high like the drugs you do. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, (laughs) it it gives you some kind of, uh, I don't know. If you can live without it, it's probably a lot better for you to live without it. But i grew up on it and yeah. um it seems
0: like you're cutting back though right yeah, like i've noticed
2: back. you're losing weight yeah. and you're smoking less All Right, definitely cutting back Go oh, i getting old you know you start thinking about oh uh, you know my life's gonna be over i already used up uh, at least 75 percent of my life i'm you know so i'm not gonna be here there's gonna be a lot of years that you're gonna be here and i'm not you know you start thinking about that when you start approaching i'm 58 i just turned 58. You start approaching that 60 mark, you start thinking, and you know what the real scary part is? A lot of your friends start getting seriously ill, and they start passing away. And that scares the shit out of you because, um, you know, you're going to be one of them. Yeah, have you had an instance instance that really changed your mindset? Like I said, you know, I've been seeing a lot of friends having health issues, and um, it's really got me thinking, you know, no, none of us are gonna be here forever. We all know that. I mean, you know, best case scenario, you're gonna drop dead between 70 and 100. Okay, so can I prolong that? And then who wants to be old and all broken down and you mm-hmm. know what a bunch of stuff would be, what kind of quality of life is that? So, you know, when you start becoming, hitting that 60 mark, you really start thinking about the quality of your life and the longevity of your life. I mean, it's just, it's life. You know, we're all only gonna be here for a little while. You know, and then after you're gone, let's face it, you're gone. Yeah. I mean, even the most famous people in the world, they're gone. All right, you know, you have some memories of you and things like that. And depending on how famous you were, Michael Jackson, people remember him forever. Elvis Presley things like that. But you're dead. All right, it's over. This might sound morbid. Are you afraid of death? Yes, everyone's afraid of death. I don't care who you are. So how, mean, does, how does I that mean, affect your decisions today? I mean, I've been thinking about what's going to happen to my family um you know and people close to me if i'm not around all right so i'm i'm really thinking of others i mean yeah i mean uh, i think about myself of course on a daily basis while i'm here but i'm thinking holy shit you know all right yeah my wife's probably going to find some young guy and have a great life but <laughs> with all the money she's going to inherit <laughs> but i mean i start thinking about you know protecting everyone when i'm not here you know, kids, wives, friends, everybody like that. So it's part of life. It's part of being human. You know, we're only on this planet for you know a certain amount of time. So do everything you can while you're here and enjoy it and, and try to protect the people that are gonna be here after you. So for those watching who are not familiar with you and your story, could you give us
0: a, a high level overview of who you are, why people should listen to you, what you do? Just something for a few minutes.
2: You know, my story is started from nothing less than nothing I mean you know and had no opportunity no chance I was in the army you know I, I went in the army because I had to because you know growing up in New York City was very tough and uh, the army was my exit out of New York and away from surrounded by a criminal uh atmosphere which was really bad back in the 19 late 70s and 80s and I went in the army You know, that got me out of New York, it got me in a, you know, an organized, controlled atmosphere, gave me discipline, gave me organizational, organizational skills. Um, It showed me, you know, the real, you know, how the, how the world works. Okay. Working with people, getting things done, accomplishing your missions. Uh, And it really helped me. It saved my life because if I didn't go in the army, I guarantee I'd be dead. Maybe if I was lucky, rotting away in some jail. Okay, because that was just the place I was born into. You're a product of your environment. I mean, it's very hard to fight your environment when you're surrounded by it. You know, I spent about five years in the army, and then while I was in my last year of the army, um, I started, I lived in an apartment building where pretty much everybody was in the military. You know, they lived there and, and, you know, off the base. So, I got an opportunity to help the manager out. It was an old lady. And I picked up garbage every single morning. I'd get up, just like we did in the Army, and police the area. You know what that means, police the area? It means look for papers, garbage. Whatever's not natural, get rid of it. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I'd police the whole building, clean the place up, and I'd get $50 a month off my rent. My rent was $500 a month. I got I only had to pay 450 To me, that believe it or not, 50 bucks back in, we're talking 1986, 86, it meant something, okay? Basically, that's how I got, got my start. I did a little real estate in leasing while I was in Germany. I was stationed in Germany, and there was not enough housing for all the soldiers. So, the soldiers had to go out in what they called the economy, where the Germans lived, and secure uh, you know a place to live for them or their families, and then the army would pay you X amount of dollars towards a housing allowance. So what I did was I hooked up with a guy that I used to find a place off base, and I hooked up with the guy, and then I would bring him soldiers that needed a place to rent. So he'd have the, the German uh, apartments, I had the soldiers, and every time I brought him a soldier, I back, back then I think he gave me like 150 bucks, which was a lot of money back then. Especially in Germany, the German mark was like four to one or something like that. So anyway, you know, I've been a hustler my whole life. Growing up in New York, you'd learn how to hustle. Because, I mean, that's all you can do. I yeah. mean, you know, um, And I did it at a very young age. So I was already into hustling. I did some hustling in Germany. Um, then I got to the States. And then, like I said, I started picking up garbage around the building. And I started really understanding real estate. You know, it, It's not very difficult. And I try to explain that to people. Real estate is very simple. All right, you're providing either a person a place to live, a business to operate in, and they pay your rent. Okay, it's a very simple uh, arrangement that yeah. you have. Um, so basically, I liked it. You know, people would move out. I'd help them get the apartments ready. Um, we get things fixed when they break. You're basically maintaining the property, and then they pay your rent. And then you constantly got to keep the place full. You know, so you can get the most money coming in. One thing i learned about real estate always focus on getting as much money coming in and as little money going out okay because it's all about the bottom line and i try to just tell people and help people listen everybody needs to be in real estate in some aspect of their life everybody okay because it's a necessity Mm -hmm. everybody needs a place to live everybody needs a place to work okay real estate is part of life okay Uh, We all can't live in a tent like you used to before you make (laughs) Graham, you know? And everybody should definitely try to establish something. You may not become a big shot. You may not have a half a billion dollars worth of real estate to worry about like I do, but it needs to play some sort of role in your life. And the more you put into it, The more you will make.
1: But before we go into that, you probably can't go anywhere without hearing the term AI. And that's because it's probably the most important computer technology ever. We use it here on the iced coffee hour. Behind the scenes. Like, a lot. With all of these great things considered, the real problem with AI is that you need a lot of speed and processing power. So how can you compete without the costs getting completely out of hand? Well, it's time to upgrade to the next
0: generation of the cloud, Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single
1: platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI offers four to eight times the bandwidth of other competing clouds. They offer one consistent price rather than variable regional pricing like their competitors, and of course, nobody does it better than Oracle.
0: So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half of the cost of other clouds. So if you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks
1: Mosaic, take
0: the free test drive of OCI at Oracle.com iced.
1: That's oracle.com slash iced. Once again, guys, oracle.com slash iced. Thank you so much, Oracle, for supporting this podcast and allowing us to do what we do. And with that said, let's get back to the episode. When did you go from being like casually interested in real estate and it kind of just being like a hobby slash passion to, uh, oh my gosh, I could end up having like half a billion dollars in real estate. Because there has to be a switch there where like, okay, this is something I can make money in versus this is something I am competitively, extremely good at and I can actually build a fortune. What
2: did it for me was when I met the owner of the building that was, you know, I was living and getting 50 bucks about off my rent. I met the owner. The owner was a great guy, smart guy, but he wasn't willing to work that hard. I mean, I'm sorry. He was a great guy and we ended up becoming partners. The point was is that I saw how he was living. He was living good. And I liked real estate because i just felt like it, it, it's something that i felt you know how you like stuff or you don't really care for it you know my father always told me just become a garbage man okay you'll be outdoors all day you get good benefits mm-hmm. you get a pension you know and that was the extent of you know my father you know uh, expectations for me were that was his advice anyway the point was, I saw this guy driving Ferraris. I saw this guy driving Mercedes. I saw this guy living in fancy houses. I saw this guy travel around the world. And what happened was, I started making him more money because I looked at real estate and thought of ways to make him more money. And when you start and when you can find someone, like I tell people, when you're starting out, find somebody that's making money, all right, and be their support. Because if you start helping them make more money, you become irreplaceable. And I became irreplaceable to him. Okay? Actually, the Army wanted me to reenlist for another four years, and they were going to give me some bonus and this and that. Mm-hmm. And I told him, hey, I got to go. I'm going to career." He said, no, no, no. You're not going nowhere. I'm going to pay you more than the Army, and we're going we're to do stuff together. We're going to grow, and you're going to be a multimillionaire. And a lot of that, of course, came true. You know, but I did a lot of it on my own besides what I did with him yeah
1: but how did he get a Ferrari and get the travel and all that stuff he if he wasn't a hard worker did he like inherit all the real estate some people work hard some people work smart he was a smart worker
2: he he, he knew a lot about banking and um, I think he also you know he, he his family you know gave him some mm-hmm. money to work with and um, let's face it real estate is not brain science. Okay. I never went one day to high school. I mean, real estate is a very simple business. Okay. It can get complex as you go down the road and you grow, but the basics of real estate is simple. Okay. And everything is based on math. Everything's based on what is, what is the value of it? All right. And is there a demand for your supply? Everything in the world is supply and demand. I don't care what you want to sell in life or what you have for offer somebody, a service. It's all about supply and demand. All right. You want to have a supply of what's in demand. Okay. And in real estate, you got to make sure you never buy something. You don't want to have a supply of what's not in demand. Like look at office space right now. Office space is getting crushed. Why? Because we've evolved we're into technology. Uh, COVID taught Mm -hmm. us a lot about, you know, you could work remotely. Big companies are shrinking down what space they had or they're just totally giving it up. I mean, you know, the office sector, luckily I'm not in, is taking a major beating right now. Okay, so you want to always focus on supply and demand. Guys tell me all the time, oh, I can build a storage place and storage business Mm -hmm. is a great business. But you don't want to buy it where people don't need it. You'd be sitting around with a bunch of empty storage, Yeah, you know. What does your portfolio look like today? Today, we're sitting on a very large portfolio of mm-hmm. what I like to call necessity real estate or essential real estate. I like retail, but I like retail that the internet can't hurt. Amazon can't hurt. I like, you know, food. I like, you know, necessity services like hair, nails, food, you know, good like strong restaurants, mm-hmm. dentists, medical uh, things that people can't go online and accomplish. Okay, that's the type of retail I like. I try to stay away from the big um, retailers like department stores. I've had opportunities to buy shopping malls and I didn't yeah. do it because I was afraid of them. Um, but I like the stuff like you know who's doing really well, believe it, who's waded huh. through all the storms, is the discount. Um, type of department stores. Okay, we own we own Ross. We own TJ Maxx. We own Burlington's. We own those types because the discount stuff, it's not like <clears> you <throat> can not go online and really get a lot of discount yeah. stuff. You can go online and buy whatever you want, but if you're looking for the discounted stuff, you got to go to the store and do it because you never know what they're getting in. And people like to try stuff on, so, you know, we stick to the necessity type retail. Yeah. We're also in the hotel business. Okay. Hotels are all based on location. We just sold a hotel in Fort Lauderdale. I think we ended up selling for only 28 million. I thought it was gonna be worth 35. But what happened? The hotel was a corporate hotel. It was literally in a corporate park, you know, with office buildings surrounding it. Those office buildings are empty now. Okay. And you can't just imagine you know, easily create business in a situation like that. You know, so I felt that you know the place still needed a lot more money put into it to accomplish um, what the franchise wanted us to do There was probably still at least three to four million dollars that need to be pumped into the place to bring it up to you know the franchise's standards it just didn't and it was too far from my home my kids were out there running it i just said you know what we got to sell this asset i don't see the, the light at the end of the tunnel yeah. how much was it making it was doing okay but it wasn't doing what it could have done or should have done when when I bought it. When I bought it, the offices were full, okay? And then COVID came and destroyed everything. Mm. So, you know, but there was other local investors that felt that they could do some marketing and um, they could improve the business there. And I wish them the best of luck. And I'm sure they'll be, you know, they'll be successful. I mean, they bought it at a good price and it was a great hotel. But, you know, you got to choose which assets you really want to put your heart, soul, and money into. Okay, and when you think this hotel is not going to take you uh, to the end of the the pot of gold at the end uh, that quickly, at least, you got to move on and find a deal at will. So we kind of got out of Fort Lauderdale. Now we're still sitting with about a half a dozen hotels in my area where I'm close to, and I can, you know, we also have Mm -hmm. benshotels.com. If you're coming to the Tampa Bay area, we have a place for you to stay okay on all different types yeah, of levels ben's hotel so it's all the hotels you own if you go to dot <laughs> it'll show you every hotel i have it'll show you the ones by the Tampa airport it'll show you the ones that are along the gulf of mexico by the beach it'll show you the ones in the high traffic tourist areas whatever our portfolio of hotels is they're at ben'shotels.com and i try to always buy in the affordable you know i try to have affordable hotels okay i'm not doing four or five star hotels all right, because it's just not our forte. Yeah. Okay, and it's a great for the people that are doing it. But we like to, we're across the street from the beach. So you go where I live, you've been in my town, mm-hmm. you go on the sand and you could spend four or $500 a night for a room. Or you could go across the street, right across the street, and stay in my hotel for less than half, maybe only 200 Yeah. You know, we give people an affordable product, You know, so there's a need for all different types of, you know, clients. And we try to fill the need of the people that, you know, are looking for a break. You know, they don't have that kind of big money to go out and spend on a vacation, especially a a family, you know. yeah. So that's our little thing.
0: What what are you finding with Airbnb? Because there's a lot of controversy with Airbnb, whether that be taking off the market, driving up the housing, Uh, But you're competing almost with hotels. So you're a competitor to Airbnb.
2: What are your thoughts on that? There's a certain market of people that like Airbnbs. Unfortunately, I I do a lot of consulting and a lot of people have been calling me lately, unfortunately saying, hey, they bought Airbnbs and their rights to rent them were taken away by the local local municipalities. I mean, they're ruined. They overpaid for the property. It's not worth are the they So they're buying these properties. I thought a lot of the Airbnbs are
0: just subleasing. They lease from the landlord and then put it on Airbnb and profit the difference. But to buy an Airbnb
2: is stupid. A lot, stupid. People bought them. That's a lot stupid. of people bought condos. A lot of people yeah. own houses. And now, listen, you're running an Airbnb. You're running a little mini mini hotel. You know, and it all depends. You know, are you running it? Is there a host running it? You know, there's still a lot of work to be done. The money you're making on Airbnb, you're earning. If you're the one renting them out and coordinating with the guests and getting the cleaning done and getting the repairs done, you know, if not, there's a cost to paying somebody. Listen, everything can work if you buy something right. You got to buy it at the right price. You buy things at the right price, and you you should always be successful. So, you know, but Airbnb, I think it had its big boom. It's still going to always be around, and it, it, it took a lot of money out of the hotel business. That's a fact. Okay. But I think it's gone down. So, and you got to be yeah. very careful in investing in them. So what do you tell people if they bought a property for
0: Airbnb, they're losing a ton of money, they can't rent it out anymore, and they can't cash flow it by
2: renting it out a normal lease, what do you tell them? What's your advice? I mean, everybody's got a different situation. The first thing I would say, listen, can you get out of it at a break even? Can you sell that property? Maybe there's been some appreciation in that particular housing market in that area. What's the property worth if you put it on the market tomorrow? How much did you pay for it? Okay. And if you are going to take a loss, what is that loss compared to the loss you're going to have sitting on it for another year not making any money? You know, you got to look at every factor of the whole equation. And then maybe you have some gains somewhere else where you can offset some losses. Listen, I just sold a whole bunch of stock and I was very unhappy about it because it's the end of the year. And my accountant said, listen, in 2023, even though things were bad, you made some money. Okay? You sold some properties. You got some major gains here. You need to take some losses. So I had to sit down, and I just said, okay, well, the only place I can get any losses at is sell off some of the stock that's been beaten down 20 and 30%. I could always buy it back after 31 days. You know that. Mm -hmm. You know that you could sell something. Like, let's say I sold a, whatever, a mutual fund the other day. I sold it. I think it was about 20% down, which I think is a great time to buy now. But I'm already in it. I sold it, I took the loss. So now I get all the loss I had. All right, let's say it was a million bucks. If I so if it was a million dollars when I bought it and I got a $200,000 loss on it now, I could sell it, I take the $200,000 loss to offset $200,000 worth of gains. And then if I really think it's it's a, you know, it's going to come back and I could buy it back. Thirty-one days later, and here I am in the same boat with the two hundred thousand dollar uh, loss that I took, and two hundred thousand dollars on a capital gain is pretty much forty thousand dollars in taxes that I would have had to pay the government. I mean, these are the things you got to think about. Everybody's got their own investments, their own situation. You got to do what's logical everything's based on logic in my brain
1: but before we go into that guys these cameras they were like four thousand dollars a piece the lenses were like two grand these cables the audio recording devices the microphones everything adds up and this whole setup is incredibly expensive and it makes my pockets and my brain hurt so badly but the thing is you don't have to start like that like when we first started the podcast you could look back
0: at our first episode it was horrible it Awful. But if you want to get started with content creation, our sponsor StreamYard is there to help and make it as easy as possible. StreamYard is a live streaming software that allows you to create high quality content with just the click of a button.
1: I know you guys listen to this podcast every single Sunday, and a lot of you guys want to create a podcast for yourself. If that's you, I strongly recommend you guys do it. And if you do, I strongly recommend you guys try StreamYard.
0: They also allow you to stream to multiple social media platforms all at the same time to maximize your outreach from Facebook to Instagram. Instagram to uh LinkedIn. what is linkedin link, linkedin They got
1: everything guys we're doing linkedin we got we got linkedin <laughs> <laughs> That's-
0: and the best part from all of this when you use our link it's absolutely free they offer a free package which means it costs you absolutely nothing to get started with our link down below in the description
1: so if you guys want to get started creating high quality content at the cost of virtually nothing try out streamyard with the link down below in the description thank you so much streamyard for supporting this podcast and back to the show do you try to live off of income that certain things can generate? Or do you ever borrow against that? Because what I heard that I, like like years ago, <clears throat> that explained how wealthy people avoid paying taxes is like in stocks, they just continually invest in that and then you can borrow against the mm-hmm. stock portfolio. So then you just end up paying whatever interest fees
2: that you borrow. You borrow against anything. You borrow against <clears throat> any asset you have that has some sort of value to it. I mean, typically what I did, what created my wealth, was pretty much based on the 1031 you know, deferred tax exchange that the IRS laws have, okay? Every time I I had a property, I improved it, and I went and I increased the value in it, I would refinance it. I would either refinance it, because that's a non-taxable event, okay? Pull my money out of it, and still cash flow. The ultimate goal to me has always been in real estate is you buy something, you improve it, okay? Now it's worth more money. Then you get your money back. So now I have nothing invested in my property, but I still cash flow. What kind of return is that? Infinite. Infinite. So now here I am. I'm sitting with all these properties that I refinanced. I got all my money back so I could deploy it in other deals or whatever, <laughs> spend it. And I'm still cash flowing. And that's great. I own businesses, real estate, without any money invested. Or if you sell it, Because you have to look at, is it the right thing to do? And once you refinance and you pull your money out, all right, I'm sitting here with this property, and it's giving me a good cash flow. But everything is timing. When the market goes up, there might be even more value in it. And then again, also, when you refinance the property, the most you're going to get is 80% of the value. There's still 20% of the value still sitting there. So now I might decide, all right, I want to raise cash. I want to do some bigger deals. I might sell it. But if I sell it, I've always 1031 into the next deal. For th- over 30 years I've been doing that. I never touched the money from a sale. The money gets reinvested into the next deal. And that kind of forced me to grow. But then don't you have
1: some like crazy tax burdens of like let's say 30 years no, eventually or something yeah, like that where you know. down the line it could get sold What happens
2: is your basis
1: gets stepped gets up
2: decreased every time you right. the, the the taxes you defer <clears throat> are counted against your basis. Mm-hmm. So yes, if I sell that property you were talking about mm-hmm. for twenty something million tomorrow, my basis is probably only about eight. So then, if I don't ten thirty one, I will have to recapture twelve million dollars worth of gain, which would yeah, be five million two and a half million dollars tax bill, mm-hmm. and at my age. I might be prepared to do that. Luckily, I haven't done it yet. I haven't paid that, that tax bill because luckily I have sons that work with me. So I keep exchanging with their help into the other deals. Now, of course, it's like the mafia. You don't get out till you die. When you die... Your wife gets stepped-up basis. There are some trusts that I believe that also can get that benefit, but I'm working on looking into that right now. No, but the limit to that, isn't that like $24 million, million? On the step-up step, basis through
1: inheritance? Yeah. Yeah, I don't think it's anything anywhere close to half or is a that
0: is Is it, a, is it different if, if you give a property to your wife at passing? Does everything get stepped-up, or is it up I to the $25 I believe your
2: wife and only your wife can inherit everything you have with stepped-up basis. But we need to verify If, if that's that. the case, everyone should make sure they marry younger. Everyone. And then, that's you don't,
0: then you just don't pay the that's tax. That's genius. I mean, yeah.
2: I, I'm working on it, it. gets complicated. When you're starting to plan your death, it gets very complicated. You need really good advice from really good trust attorneys. I feel and, like that, that wouldn't be the case. Because
0: then, if you want to give a property to someone else, you just marry that person yeah, before dying. Yeah, give it to them and have a trust. Have everything stepped like up, and then, and then they could sell without paying tax, <clears throat> and then distribute the money. That seems like too easy of but a. They can to only gain. distribute
2: the money to a point too. I True. think right now you can you can. Um, you're allowed to, I believe it's still like 11 point something million that you can uh, gift. Yes. Lifetime, lifetime gift is 11 it's point it's something 12 million. 12 so, something now. Well, yeah. Okay. So me and my wife can gift together right now, 24 yeah. million if we wanted to. Um, but, you know, like I said, I'm not an expert in trust and things like that. I'm, I'm actually looking for people to consult with on that. But, I mean, let me tell you, the worst case in the world is this. All right. If I look at my whole portfolio. If I got a half a billion bucks in in real estate, let's say I owe the bank half of that. I owe them two hundred fifty million, and let's say the rest of the other two hundred fifty million, I got to give basically twenty percent of that. Mm-hmm. That's fifty million. I'm still up for two hundred million. I, I think I'll be doing so okay. why don't why don't you just do that and just spend I, I, the rest I'm, of I'm, your I'm, life? I'm just definitely just I'm definitely chilling. thinking about that now, you know. But then I'm also have to consider. You know what's best for not only me, but what's best for all the kids I got and the people that are important in my life. Yeah, but two hundred goes a long way. Two hundred million right now will get you if you stick it in tax-free muni bonds. It's going to get you roughly about ten plus million a year, tax-free, tax-free. That's really almost like you know my bracket, thirty-seven percent. You know, fourteen though. You know, we're talking if you're in California, it's almost double. You know, so. I mean, you know, everybody's got their own life and you have to plan, you have to plan your life and you have to make, you know, certain moves that are logical and make the most sense for your life. So right now I'm trying to figure it out. That's why I'm here today. Jack's going to tell me exactly what to do. <laughs> is that, and is, I'm going to do the opposite.
1: Is is that where you're at? Uh, Like about $500 million in assets, $250 million in liabilities? I believe so right about there yeah. um, but then last time we had you on the podcast we discussed that you did a lot of deals with variable rates when rates were really low because like you said this is yours not mine mm-hmm. that you were being a little bit greedy trying to get like the best possible discounted rate so to save a little bit of money but it ended up when rates went up you had that float yeah. rate or variable rate and you-
2: basically when i used to owe about a couple <laughs> hundred million i could have paid an extra point and fixed my rate that extra point would have cost me $2 million a year, right? Oh, okay, yeah. Instead, now I'm paying an extra three points, at least. So now I'm paying 600. an extra $6 million a year when I could have got away with paying $2 million back then. Now, how long did I get away without paying that $2 million? Probably a couple of years. I don't know, i have to look it up, a few years. I mean, listen, no one in their right mind, in the 30 years I've been in real estate, would ever dream that rates would go up so high, so quick, never has ever been seen before. Okay, but right now we're sitting back what rates were at in 2007, I believe, Mm -hmm. right before the crash. And what does that mean? We may not have a major crash, but we're definitely going to have a major correction and there's going to be opportunity. All right. Yes, I'm well protected capital-wise, uh, where I can I can handle you know the, the stress that we're, we're paying out all this extra money in interest payments. Luckily, we're strong capitalized, and we can handle it. Plus, we're doing all kinds of different things to adjust. But a lot of people can't, and a lot of the people that can't, a lot of the people that pool together, because nobody wants to make capital calls. Nobody wants to come out of their pocket and start buying down debt and throwing more money into a deal. That's why, you know, it gets tricky when you're involved in a group. So, you know, there's going to be some very, very bad things, I believe, happening with bankruptcies, with foreclosures, uh, in the next year coming in, in a matter of a couple of months, I think we're going to start hearing about it. Uh, I don't think the banks really want you to know right now all the loans that aren't. Performing. Yeah. I thought a lot of these loans have
0: escalation clauses, essentially. So it can't just go from 3% to 8%. it will go from 3 to, let's say, 45 And then after that, it'll go 55 But over a
2: long period of time. Depends on the loan documents. Okay. You know, it depends on the loan documents. But typically, in my experience, we're not talking residential. The guy goes out, he fixed his rate at 2 or 3% for his house. He's great. He's good. He's golden for 30 years, 20 years, whatever his loan is. But in the commercial world, commercial loans don't go out that far. You can do some government stuff and some agency loans that may go out 10, 15 years. Typically, people in the, most people in the commercial business, banks loan money on commercial assets for three, five, seven, and ten. Okay? So the guy that went out uh, three years ago and got a loan, basically an adjustable loan like I did, it was doing great. Even if he fixed his rate, three years are up, he's open to the current market, okay? He's subjected to the current market. And when he goes out to have that property appraised now because of today's interest rate, he's not going to appraise for the same value, okay? Because the numbers aren't going to make sense with the interest rate being double and triple. So the value of the properties have come down. Listen, we were just talking about it. You used to have to pay four, you used to get a four cap on a Starbucks, okay? I'm seeing it for six, six and a half now, Okay everything adjusts accordingly cap rates are going up it's just it, it, it's logical you know if you're only collecting x amount of dollars a month you can only you know and you got to pay the bank x amount of dollars you're only left with this much return so the properties only value based on a return so who's buying right now 1031 buyers unless you know i only see the only deals i really see going on right now is people that sold their properties took the gain you know, because they, they had a lot of uh, equity in their property and a lot of upside mm-hmm. and they want to get out or they want to, you know, trade out. I mean, let's face it, you know, real estate not forever. You know, I mean, yeah, it can be generational, you know, but typically people buy properties, they own them for a while and eventually they sell them. I mean, you know, so... Uh, sooner or later somebody's going to want to sell and they're going to want to get their hands on the cash they're going to want to retire a lot of people pass away, it's part of life um, you know, a lot of partnerships dissolve a lot of them have uh, a, a specific amount of time that the partnership has to sell um, you know, so there's always going to be deals to be made, always and the deals are coming, so I'm telling everybody to stash your cash First because thing. when the deals start coming you want to be up there in line, first in line, with your money, ready to go. Line up your financing. And listen, interest rates are double. So what does that mean? To really make the numbers work, you're going to have to put up more money. You're going to have to borrow less money from the bank. If I go out right now and buy down half my debt, if I go to the bank tomorrow and say, okay, here's 100000000 bucks," million. I'm buying down all these properties by half. My cash flow will go back to what it used to be because I'm only borrowing you know, half the money mm-hmm. at a double rate. But then again, I got to come up with that cash, which is probably sitting earning 5% right now. So, you know, every, right. like I said, everybody's got their own portfolio. You got to sit down and you got to look at every single scenario there is and figure out what makes the most sense. Because if it makes sense, it makes money. But when is this going to happen? Because I honestly thought this was going to happen way sooner. No, and but- we're
0: not seeing anything. At least here in Vegas, cap rates are going up, so property values are coming down slightly, but it's barely anything. And it's to the point where I'm questioning myself, thinking, am I wrong?
2: Is this ever going to happen? It's going to happen. It has to happen. It, it's logic that, that has to happen. The problem is, is that the sellers, including myself, don't want to swallow the fact that their property is not worth what they thought it was. And it's simple math. The Lowe's that I own, you know what Lowe's is, right? Yeah. It's, a, it's a, like a Home Depot. I own Home Depot, too. Those properties, I can't get what I paid for them because I bought them at a low cap rate. It's just not going to happen. Now, am I willing to take a loss? No, I'm not willing to take a loss. So everybody's like in a limbo right now. Everybody that owns commercial property, is it, you got to wait for the bleeding to start. And it, and it takes a little while for the bleeding to start. Okay, but well, once it starts bleeding, that's when but, it starts gushing.
0: Let's just say what happens in a scenario where, where you think there's going to be blood in the streets, but let's just assume by June of 2024, the Fed says we're lowering interest rates. We're taking them down, you know, 50 basis points, 75 basis points, whatever it is. Interest rates start coming down. Then by 2025, all of a sudden we're at 3.5%. Isn't that going to save the markets? And maybe there's a chance that nothing much is going to happen. Only the really
2: distressed sellers are going to sell, but they're going to be outliers. You know, none of us have a crystal ball. But from my experience, real estate's always been a cycle. Okay, it's always been a cycle. And you just have to know when the time is right, because you'll see it. Okay, if you go on 10X right now, a year ago, there was nothing on 10X. Nothing. Barely nothing. Crap. Now... You're starting to see serious assets all over the country. 10X is booming with auctions. Hotels, they're dying. Why? Because people don't have the money anymore to spend. Okay? Hotels are getting crushed right now. If you're not in a hot spot where you can keep those rooms filled, I could buy hotels really cheap right now. But there's a reason why, because they're not bringing in the money. And the cost of uh, employment has gone up. And, uh, you know, so, you know, you're going to start seeing some blood. I believe, and I'm not, you know, I'm not out of a crystal ball. Mm -hmm. I think we got to wait to see this year end. I think when 24 comes, and then we also got a lot of politics have a lot to do with it. Okay. I think with the current administration. We're just really not going in the right direction and we're not going to go in the right direction and get lower interest rates until we see a change in government.
0: What do you, what do you think the current president is doing about a lot of this? That's, that's bad for the real estate market.
2: I'm not an economic expert, but all I can say is before he was president, I think the economy and the world was in a lot better place. I mean, I'm just telling you from my life experience, interest rates were low, there was some sort of peace in the world, I think we're in a lot better shape, okay? And that's that's basically my life experience. Uh, I, I think that the yeah. Democrats just don't understand, uh, or they don't like taking any, they're, they're trying to, they're, they're not risk takers, okay? And I don't know the level of risk we were approaching when, when we had low interest rates I'm sure there's some sort of story behind it that it could hurt us down the road. But basically, all I can tell you is I was living good, and now I'm $5 bucks a year in a hole. Now, how much of that, though, is Trump lowered taxes,
0: gave businesses a whole bunch of deductions, and he really pressured the Fed to lower interest rates? So how much of the economy was really just there's more money flowing into the economy, business owners were making a lot more money, and taxes were lower? So do you think maybe that's more like a short-term sort of deal, where if we lower taxes 10% now,
2: I think we'd have a similar benefit? I don't know how we were getting hurt. Were we raising the deficit? Is that the problem? Is that what, you know, all the good times we're bringing? We're raising the deficit? I mean, I heard on, on the yeah. news the other day that we only collect, I think, $2 trillion a year in taxes, but it takes how much to run the country? I think it was five or trillion? six. No,
0: I think it was like five Ten? or six, but they collect four. I think there was a two to $3 trillion a year deficit. And that's just being added to the national debt. With rates as high as they are now, I think now the national debt is costing more than defense. So it's it, now I think it's a game of chicken of how long could that continue before eventually they got to lower rates
2: or they got to come out of pocket a ton of money. Well, I know one thing. It's a known fact that mortgages are at an all-time low, right? Huh? People aren't buying homes right now. And I think that's, that, that's like the foundation of people's lives. Being able to work and, and, and buy a home for your family and have some quality of life I think is very, very important. And it's almost really much impossible For an average middle-class person now to go out and buy a property to live in so you know I don't know I I don't think it's good and then the banks aren't making any money let's face it the banks aren't making any money right now the banks are paying you five and a half percent in a money market account right they gotta pay out a lot of money and then nobody's getting loans at seven so the bank is just sitting there basically it's gonna hurt the banks if they don't lower the interest rates and people don't stop borrowing money we saw what happened in silicon valley not too long ago okay it's going to get ugly i think that you know i kind of track the foreclosures and uh i also track uh, non-performing loans and um it's growing it's growing dr- dr- dramatically right now and the banks don't want nobody to know because if word gets out that they're not collecting on the loans they had then The bank's not, the bank's only worth what the loans are. The bank's value is the amount of loans that they have. That's their assets. And if they're not making money on those assets, those assets fall down in value. So the bank ain't worth as much as the bank used to be worth. And the stock goes down. And then we saw what happened in Silicon Valley. They went belly up. We saw a lot of banks go, I don't know, you're too young to remember, but Imagine the how Brothers many banks or... went belly up in the crash? Or well, what about Donnelly Banks? Look at all the, look what happened to the, all the big uh, stockbrokers that went belly up. Lehman Brothers, yeah, they were around for a hundred years, and you know, and they were uh, upside down. Yeah, mainly it's because of leverage.
0: So if you think it's going to get worse, why not preemptively start
2: selling more aggressively now? I have to determine if it makes sense to take the losses. I have to start looking at my gains and looking at what the benefit is to take losses. Or is it more beneficial to me to just buy down my debt? You know, it's an equation. Everything's an equation. You said that you're going to do
1: like this huge internal audit with this, like, quote unquote, really smart guy that's in New York right now, analyzing all of your holdings, seeing which ones are going to be good, which ones aren't going to be good. Are you literally just doing exactly what you just mentioned to Graham, where it's like you are assessing how much it costs on a month to month basis? How much are you making on a month to month basis? And then what is the opportunity cost of holding it versus selling it? And you're doing that with every single property that you have? have.
2: Every single one. How many are there? 25. Okay. They're all different levels. You know, we have some deals as small as, you know, maybe a couple of million. We have deals that, you know, maybe are worth 40 million. You know, it depends on the asset. And then, um, you know, certain assets like the hotels are tricky because with the hotel income, you have to look at hotels annually because hotel income is, a ro- is like a roller coaster. You got your seasons. So now here we are. We're right now in, in a slow season. Mm-hmm. Right before the holidays is always the slowest season in Florida. We probably have hotels that are barely breaking even. But when the good times come, they're gonna make a lot of money. So you have to look at it on an annual basis. Some properties I could just strictly look at on a monthly basis, like if it's a triple net, triple nets are easy to look at. You got the same money coming in, you have very little, if anything, coming out because it's triple net, or if it's a double double net, you have very little going out. It, those are pretty simple to determine, you know, but you know, everybody's got their own situation.
1: So for the average listener right now, it's 18, 35 year, 18 to 35-year-old man. Uh, let's just say they're working like a standard W-2 job. What would your piece of advice be for them if they're just trying to save up and buy a house?
2: Right now, you need to, number one, get yourself on a budget. Okay, now is the time to be smart and not waste any money. If you don't need it, don't buy it, don't use it, and save your money. Now's the time to stash your cash because that's going to get you some strength. You also, you know, if you're, I mean, I always promote young people that don't have a lot of money. If they, if, if, if it fits their life, they should seriously think about getting their real estate license because if you get your real estate license, even if you don't use it. Okay. Or maybe use it once in a while. I mean, real estate's great. You know, you can have a real estate license. You had, you have a real estate license. Not anymore. Well, you took it away. I, okay. I gave it Whatever. away. Yeah. Gave it up in California. <laughs> I mean, but when you were young, you had a real estate license. Yeah. If you wanted to buy a property for yourself, you automatically, and you represented yourself, 3% is your commission. Mm-hmm. Well, now okay. there's that big class action lawsuit, though. Said, oh, you see report. that? Yeah. That it won.
0: And I know a bit of a side tangent here, but a group of people got together and said that it was... Um, uh, price, fiction, price fixing, fixing. why can't I say it? Price fixing from the National Association of Realtors that the seller was now obligated to pay a fixed commission to a buyer's agent to be able to list on the MLS. And they won. And it was a 1000000000 multi-billion dollar lawsuit.
2: I don't understand. I mean, you have a listing agreement. You agree to pay X amount of uh, percent when you list your property. Mm-hmm. And... Of course, it gets it can it can be negotiated by the time you do the deal. But if the agent sells a property for less money, he gets less commission. If he sells more property money, he gets more commission. I mean, right. I don't understand where the conflict is.
0: The seller has to pay the buyer's commission, and so, for the for the for agents to remain competitive and and show the house, they're they're looking at at the commission and they're saying, well, this property pays me three percent, and this property over here they're paying one percent. I'm not going to show that property. I'm going to show the three percent. That's been going on
2: forever. There are agents out there that they'll go after the ones that are selling You know, they won't de- take a discount commission, except these days, the agents are starving, starving. I got brokers that are willing to just throw in the whole commission practically mm-hmm. b- b- except a small fee just to get the deal done, okay? Typically, you used to pay a broker in commercial maybe two or three percent. I've closed deals recently for a quarter of a point, oh a half a point. Well, at when what you, price point well, when 10 million, yeah. So he's happy to get something to come into his team just to keep the money flowing. Plus, he knew if he didn't reduce his commission, I couldn't do the deal. Mm-hmm. I knew When I do a deal, the first thing I tell the agent, when we get somebody that makes us an offer, I want to see my net sheet. Always ask don't be afraid to tell the agent, show me my net. Show me... The purchase, the sales price, show me the commissions, show me the closing costs, the title insurance, the doc stamps, show me what my net's going to be, okay? And then, if you can't get to the number you want, that's where you start negotiating. You start saying, well, I'll tell you what, in order for me to do this deal, and this is what I do on a daily basis, in order for me to do this deal, you go back to to the buyer and you say, listen... You need to pick up the doc's transfer stack. Trans, they call them doc stamps, transfer tax, mm-hmm. or you need to pick up the title costs, or maybe we'll split it, or you need to you know, lower your commission down. But I tell them right off the bat, this is the net number I have to get to. Now, it's your job as an agent to figure out how to get me to that net. Otherwise, I'm not a seller. So uh, people are working a lot harder now because something's better than nothing. You know, yeah, but I understand the whole lawsuit you're talking about. But um, typically, you know, it pays to be a real estate agent if you if you're starting out because you still can get a commission as the buyer. Mm -hmm. Okay, typically houses are listed with a five to six percent commission. The buyer gets half, the seller gets half. So if you qualify for an FHA mortgage. It's three and a half percent down. If you're a real estate agent and you're 3% commission, you're like, I put a half percent down. Am I right? Yeah. There you go. That's how you get in the door without putting a lot of money down.
1: We were talking before about mortality and how you said, like, you know, once you eclipse, you know, it, where, where you're, when you're nearing 60 years old or when you Stop eclipse, i thinking it, about like, it. It's natural. How you just naturally start thinking about things. I want to know, maybe, why. Why continue pushing for wealth? Why continue pushing for all of these things when there are others, other things in life maybe that you could be missing out on, such as physical health, which you said you have been losing weight, you know, and going out and traveling and experiencing life in other ways rather than just continually building a business that's already extremely successful.
2: Why keep pushing? I mean, you know, because you got to keep moving on to a different chapter in, in the book of life. You know, right now I got to determine, listen, I don't, I'm not, I'm not the type of person that wants to work, you know, until the day I drop dead. It's not me. I want to see what it's like to retire, maybe enjoy my life. I got a nice big boat sitting in the water waiting for me, you know, but I also have to think about and protect. Listen, I wouldn't be here today with all this wealth. If it wasn't for all my kids and people that have helped me. Okay. So I have to come up with a plan that's going to enable me to, Live out the rest of my life comfortably, and also protect the people that helped me get where I'm at today, mainly my children, and make sure they have enough uh, wealth to they can keep growing if they choose or be protected. You got to protect the people that took care of you. That's that's the. But that is a lot of protection.
0: I think for a lot of people, even
2: giving a million dollars to their kids would be like, hey, they're they're set, you know. Most of my kids are already multimillionaires, but, you know, they're hungry. And they're, you know, I mean, I look at, I I think back, you know, my my oldest son is 38, I believe. He's 20 or 39. He's like 19 years younger than me. Um, I think back, and I remember when I was his age, you know, I pretty much had what he has now. Okay? And he has an extreme hunger and desire to go to the level that I'm at. And he has every right to. Okay. And so does all my kids. Um, you know, they all have the, the right, they've earned the right to grow their wealth in their life as much as they want, just like I did. They learned from me. So, you know, I have to just make sure that they're set up to be able to do that. And if they have a problem, call me. I'll be on my boat. So what's your what's your plan with that? To
1: be able to set them up in positions where they can take their advantages that they have and pursue the lives that they want,
2: how will you adjust your own life to be able to set them up for that? I mean, the ideal situation for me, I think, is take the best assets I got, which they are partners in some assets. Take the best assets I got that are really long-term assets, assets that you should probably think about keeping for the long term, and incorporating them as partners. So if I'm gone, nothing changes. Basically, their partners, uh, and that's the end of that. They, you know, they keep, keep getting the same income they've been getting, and then my share will be distributed accordingly, you know, between wives and my wife. And I say wives well, on <laughs> It's just so you're not telling us. It about. About. <laughs> there's only She's one wife. She's in the wife. viewing room right <laughs> now. Oh only one say. wife. Believe <laughs> okay, me. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and um, <laughs> you know, it'll all work out. I, I'm, I'm seeking out the best legal advice I can get and uh, trying to get the plan going because you know, I am afraid I'm getting older now and I need to have a plan in place. If I'm, I could walk out yeah. this door right now and drop in on your doorstep, you got insurance? I do. We renewed our policy. We have like what they call a master policy that covers all our properties. Insurance has doubled in Florida. You know, they're t- making you us pay yeah, for the hurricane. You know what's
0: crazy? So you know what's crazy? We, we can put this in here. You know what's crazy is that I was shopping around for insurances lately because I really want to consolidate everything. Right right now I have like five different policies with different carriers. It was a nightmare to coordinate. So I'm bundling everything together, and three insurance companies said they would no longer insure California properties. They're done. They said, nope, we hit our quota. We, we're not taking on any more. And these are companies that like four years ago, no problem. They're not insuring California. They basically said you have to stick with what you have because you're not getting anything else. And I called in my my existing insurance carrier and said, "No, uh, it, you're 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 grandfathered in, but we're not taking on any new policies." Why do they not want California? They say it's unprofitable and it's too expensive to insure. They're losing money on how California are they losing money on California because property? wildfires, uh, property damage, crime, uh, houses are costing so much money to rebuild. Construction costs are through the roof. Permitting, and it's the lawsuit zoning. Capital of the world. Yes, there's so much risk for insurance companies in specifically California, Florida. I believe is just a lot of natural disasters. California is just like political reasons, zoning. There's there's so much trouble with that. But they, they they want a policy. It's
2: wild. And and lawsuits are getting ridiculous now. It, it's, it's getting way out of it's crazy. How do you think you know?
1: we can reform
2: that, or do you think it won't? The problem is is that. The insurance companies settle too quick you know legal fees go through the roof it's a mess you know and, and a lot of it is uh, fraud has a lot to do with it you know but the courts are just too generous you know i mean listen if somebody has a legitimate claim i believe they should be paid okay but it's gone nuts it's gone totally crazy now i think we just settled a claim for a slip and fall for half a million dollars And I I honestly, because the concrete, when I bought it, was already painted in a walkway area. And we didn't know, we didn't, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. And somebody, it was raining and a person slipped and fall and they got half a million dollars. The insurance company just didn't want to fight it. And it wasn't even that much damage to the person. I mean, it's just totally crazy where the legal system's gone from. From their
0: perspective, it's pay half a million now, limit the loss, or spend half a million fighting the thing over years, right. and then let's just say they win, and you're right, then it's, can I collect half a million dollars from the person who slipped and fell? No. So what
2: am I going to do? Just, just pay it now versus spend years of this? And insurance is, is companies no make more money than anybody. I mean, all the hurricanes that we had, the damage we had in Florida, yeah, they're paying out on a lot of that. So what do they do? They just went and doubled all our rates. So now they're going to recapture all the money that they spent in the hurricane. Insurance is a good business. You should be going to insurance business. I mean, it's tough. Right now, it is very hard to be in real estate. With the cost of insurance and the rates being where they're at, it's not a good time to just say, I want to be in real estate. You got to find a deal. And when you find that deal, you got to lowball the shit out of it. I mean, now's the time to look, all right? Do your homework, look for a deal, but lowball it, okay? Because times are not good in real estate. That's just a fact. It's a fact and rents are staying steady right now but they're way they're way expensive rents are way out of the whack right now but because nobody's buying homes that creates a lot more renters and keeps a lot more renters in the market so multifamily is staying strong except if you're an adjustable rate yeah but as far as your your income goes Multifamily is very strong because people aren't buying houses. I have, listen, I have no crystal ball, like I said. I cannot understand why the home builders—that's when you know the shit hits the fan. You keep watching t- the news. Keep watching the home builder stocks. I can't imagine how these guys, because all these homes that they go out and they develop a thousand unit—you know—developing uh, that they're doing that down the street. Tall Okay, bars. when they started. <clears throat> they started years ago with the planning on yeah. that. Their budget, everything was years ago when times were great. Now, the same person they thought, how much the house is going for down down here, the new developments? Uh, in the new one that they're building, I think they start at 1.7. One 1.7. One seven. And that's, yeah. One seven. now, if somebody goes out, let's say they do have the 20% down, because that's like a jumbo loan, right? Yeah. All right, so 1.7 is $340,000 down. These people still gotta borrow about a million and four. When they first plan on selling these homes to people, you know, when they got to carry a loan for a million four, the rates were three. Okay. What's that? About 40 grand a year. Mm-hmm. Now it's double that. People don't qualify. They don't qualify. No. They're not going to be able to sell the home. Well, here's what I'm
0: finding in terms of the rental market for housing. It seems like a lot of sellers who don't want to sell because they locked in that 3% mortgage. They're putting their home up on the market for rent because their cost is so low, and because they've got a, such a low basis, they don't need to rent it for that much. So I'm finding rents, at least here in Vegas, are really coming down. Same with uh, Los Angeles. Well, a lot of rents protection
2: really just coming down. The only protection is either keep the house and wait for better times to come and rent it out, to pay my mortgage, pay yeah. my taxes, pay my insurance.
0: That's how a lot of people got through 2008. All the successful people I saw said, I'm not gonna sell in this down market, I'm just gonna rent it out and ride this out. And those people came out so far ahead. Right. They didn't have to sell. They didn't sell. Who's buying your properties now? Is it true that BlackRock is going through these these big institutional investors are buying up all the
2: houses? What's your experience? I believe on that? it's the opposite. From what I'm seeing is all the big shots like BlackRock that put up all those homes, they're now selling them. They're getting out because they don't cash flow. I mean, to my knowledge. All the big shots are selling right now. I just tied up two deals. Uh, well, hopefully tomorrow I'll be on a conference call and I'll i get the deal finalized. I just bought two apartment buildings from a very very large company, um, you know, and uh, I believe I'm buying them really right. I'm buying them for probably, I believe, thirty percent less than what they would have received six months or a year ago. So, how much are you paying for them? Can't tell you, there's still people out there. I didn't sign a contract yet, but I believe I'm buying it for 30% less than what the market would have paid. The reason why I'm getting them at a discount, because there is no market for what I'm buying. And I always had the advantage. I can compete with Wall Street. When I say Wall Street, I mean the REITs and the big shot Blackstones and Black Rocks and all these big shots. I can compete with them because of terms. I don't have anybody to answer to. I can come in with the strongest terms you ever seen. I could I could sign a contract and say, okay, give me three days for due diligence. Where everybody else has boards to answer to and all these layers of approval they have to go through, and all this, I got the money, okay, and I could go. My, I could tell my sons, listen, go out there and. Inspect that property. They'll walk every single apartment. They'll go through every income and expense item, and in three days we can knock it out. And I can go hard with a million bucks. That's the only. That's the, the edge I have by being, you know, no one to answer to and having my own company. Um, so I'm starting to see the deals coming. Trust me. All the deals. There was these all these beautiful complexes around my neighborhood in Tampa Bay area that were up for sale. All right, and they were all. You know, they're like 180 a door, 200 a unit. The rents are only like 1600 a month, 1700 a month. The numbers didn't make sense. None of them sold. None of them. There was like 10 of them. All these big fancy complexes with 10 to 200, 200 units in them. They're not getting, they, they couldn't sell. Now the seller's got to go back and rethink. Well, we missed the market, just like I missed the market on that house. Now what do we do? Do we keep the property or do we discount it, lower the price and get the hell out? You know, it depends. It depends on the ownership structure of the property. Are there partners? Is their debt coming due soon? Uh, You know, loans come due. Balloon payments come due. You know, it all depends on what kind of loan you have. But now with the new insurances uh, rates going through the roof, people are taking losses. They're bailing. And then, you know, also the taxes are actually, what I'm finding, I'm learning more about taxes, property taxes is like right now, the new tax bills came out, right? Mm-hmm. They're called trim notices. They come out and they tell you what your taxes are probably going to be, and they're due in January. You do get a discount if you pay them in November or December, you know, and then January, and then and then you get charged late fees if you pay them in February or March. Oh, no, they're due by March. They're good for January to March. Anyway, long story short, the counties are basing the values on last year. That's dangerous. Huh? last year because you pay taxes in the arrears, okay when i pay my tax bill my tax bills are millions of dollars okay when i pay my tax bill that i get a discount paying in fact this month i have till the end of the month mm-hmm. but those tax bills have all been jacked up based on what they their praise value they did back in january so now here i am I'm not making that kind of, you know, properties aren't worth that, but my tax bills are going up a lot. So I got taxes against me. I got insurance against me. I got high interest rates against me. It's all the pieces that fall into the puzzle of disaster. Do you like, it seems like you kind of like the stress about it, though.
0: There's there's an aspect where you see it as a bit of a challenge, because that, for me, would screw with me, and I'd just be done
2: with it. But, you know, I don't know if likes, all I know is I can't sit back and cry about it. And I have to think about what can I do that's logical, that makes sense, to improve the position I'm in now or deal with the stuff that's happening to me. You know, wherever there's a problem, you have to come up with a solution in life. I don't care what it is. You know, whether it's uh, any problem you got in life, you got to come up with a solution. It's just like, you know, if you can't get along with somebody, you know what the solution is? Get the hell away from them. Simple.
0: <laughs> I've, been, I've been trying, is right. here. <laughs>
2: (laughs) (laughs) You won't go away. Change the lock. (laughs) Change the number. I
1: like like that theme. That's a theme that we've been seeing like over and over again, I feel like, on the podcast, which is like it doesn't matter whose fault it is, but it's only your responsibility to improve the situation that you're in. That's it.
2: You know, it's like all these countries aren't getting along. Leave each other alone. You stay in your space and stay in my space and fine, you can't get along, then just leave us alone. I do it all the time with people. You know, if I can't get along with somebody or I feel like they're detrimental to my life, I just don't deal with them. How often does that happen? Do you cut somebody off? I cut people off whenever it's necessary. And it could be family members. It could be anybody. Life is too short yeah. to have any kind of, what we call in the hood is drama. Save the drama yeah. for your mama. because She's the only one that's going to put up with it. But what sort of thing would, would
0: make you cut someone off like that?
2: I mean, if they're doing something that's going to hurt me or anybody in my, in my world... You know, I got to leave you alone. Listen, you know, honestly, I don't even have any hard feelings, but I've noticed in my life, my life stays peaceful because I don't associate or deal with anybody who disturbs the peace. Okay. That's the way I live.
1: But how do you set the emotions and the ego aside and base all of your decision-making strictly off of what is practical and logical? How do you do that? Because a lot of people are ran by their emotions, right? And, like, by other people saying, no, you should stick with this person. You should keep this person in your life. This is what society is saying. I give people
2: chances. You know, people screw up. I've screwed up. Okay? We all screw up. All right? But then you have to look at the severity of the screw up. I mean, if somebody keeps screwing up, you know, listen, I got no time to go backwards. I got to move up. Okay? This elevator only goes up. I'm not going down. So you, you got You know, you got to you got to stay away from negative people in your life. You got to stay away from people that don't have the same interests and desires that you have. Uh, you know, and, and you know, listen. I don't care how rich somebody is. I'm very, very. My closest friends in the world don't have nowhere near the money I got. Okay, it doesn't matter. Money. Uh, when it comes to interacting with other humans, you either get along with somebody and you, you live in, in, in peace together or you don't. And if you come across people who are negative or you know, could cause you issues, because you know, association, you get in a lot of trouble just by being associated with the wrong people, you know? I mean, it's a fact. You wanna keep, you gotta look at your whole world and keep all the bad stuff out of your world. Focus on the positive and focus on getting ahead, focus on your family, you know? you
1: think you learned some of that with your experiences in the mob, which was what you alluded to earlier? I was in the
2: mob. They fired me, you know. They did me a favor, you know. They, f- they fired you? I was young, and they wanted me to go out and do collections. Oh, not right. The whole yeah. story about it. they wanted me to go collect from a guy who was a deadbeat, and then they wanted me to hurt the guy. And I'm not a violent person. I mean, yeah, I'll defend myself. But, you know, I can't just go out there and, and, and you know, and, and be that type of person to hurt people, you know, over because they, you know, it's like, you know, they borrowed his money and then he didn't pay him. Well, how's hurting him going to help? you yeah. he sure and like, you'd be able to pay you if you hurt him. But <laughs> is not that, it, I feel like, is that sending a message,
0: though? They wanted me to send that, a message. That's all it is. It's not like to get the money back. Yeah, I feel yeah. like, oh, yeah, you got hurt. But and isn't firing, firing too to nice
1: be. for the mob? Sending in? Isn't firing too nice for the mob? I feel like if the mob had a problem with... Well, they didn't
2: really let me in. It was like a test. Oh, it was a test, like, and yeah, I. Test. You're not yeah, right for this type of work. I ended up getting the money. I got the money. You keep it? No, I. I would be <laughs> here if mean. I kept Come the on, money. I, do, I, do, I don't <laughs> know. I, don't I, know. Don't I was know. like 16, 17. Okay. You know? I mean, no. I mean, I got him his money that he wanted me to collect, but I did it in such a crazy, logical, sensible way that they couldn't relate to that because all they knew was you owe me money, you don't pay me, I'm gonna hurt you. Well, maybe there's another way of getting the money. Maybe we can look into the whole picture. I don't know. You remember the story. Yes. I took the Cars guy's car the and I car. fixed it up. Yeah. And I sold it and I got the money. And we all should live happily ever after. And it was a logical, intelligent thing to do. But they didn't think that way. You know, they like they, 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 they thrive off of the intimidation and the fear. And I don't want to be part of That's that. That's how they keep their power, though, isn't it? Of, of a
0: bit of that intimidation know, but and fear. It's a very and... dark world
2: and I don't want to be part yeah. of it. How active are they today? I don't know. I don't want to know. I don't think they're nowhere near as active as they were when back in the day. The government is really, you know, I think takes a really close look at it, especially with technology these days. Yeah. You can't really hide anything. You can't hide money. You can't even hide your conversations anymore if they, they really want to hear you. So, you know, I think it's gone down, but, you know, they're still around, but they're, they're not out there like they used to be. You don't see them hanging out and killing each other in the streets like they used to be. You know, and uh, they're all trying to keep a cover because they see yeah. when you expose yourself you're exposing yourself to the, the criminal justice system they're going to come after you so why would you expose yourself you know like dotty and all that sure you know, bragging and then when you're in a brag listen you never want to mess with the government they have unlimited resources to come after you unlimited and they take it personal too you know because it's a career mm-hmm. you know so i don't want no part of anything that's criminal I try not to, if I even think somebody's criminal, uh, with the exception of Jack, uh, (laughs) that's a real low, different level. Yeah. Um, It's more like petty I don't want nothing to do with anything that's in any kind of criminal activity. I don't want no problems with that. I just want to
1: do what I'm doing, leave
2: me alone, and, you know.
1: You think some of that mob mentality that you were like a product of when you were younger is still bleeding through to who you are today? I, I know how to
2: deal with it. But I'm not like a bully. But I'm sure you learned some life lessons and stuff like that. I learned how to try to get along with everybody. Whether you're a bum on the street or you're a big shot, everybody's a human being, okay? And I try to relate to everybody on their level, okay? You know, so we have that connection, Mm -hmm. you know? If if you walk around like I'm better than everybody, then, you know, what the hell? How's that going to be productive, you know? I mean, you know. Not in a big picture. I'd rather people like to deal with me. And if I have a problem with somebody, I'm going to sit down and try to work out their problem. Because, you know, there's two sides to every story. Sometimes you got to put yourself in the other person's shoes. I've had people you know, say things to me that they felt were unfair, that they were treated by me unfairly. Well, I'll tell you what. You got your side, I got my side. All you got to do in life with another human being is find a common ground where you're both satisfied. And typically money solves that problem. You know, the only problem we have in this world today is, you know, religion. How how does money solve the problem how, how when have you used money to- is what makes everybody money is what, 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 what your life is all controlled by money I mean honestly you need money to survive you need money to do everything in life you can't live without money okay you need money to eat you need money to live you need money control how everything. can
1: you use money to solve a personal matter like argument between two people what are you talking about you ever heard of divorce do people, couples do it all the time. Yeah, but it doesn't solve the
2: relationship. Money doesn't. There's no more relationship. The money, you give somebody some money and you separate the relationship and you move on and live your own life the way you want. Right. Okay. It makes, him feel, it, makes it feel better. Like if, if he's. It feels like you got something to yeah. deal. You need to get kicked in the curb. You know, if I say to you, listen, I don't want to deal with you no more. Okay. But we have had some history together or you do have some sort of, you feel you have some sort of rights or something like that. All right. Mm-hmm. Here's some money. Have a nice life. You go your way, I go mine. We all live happily ever after. Like
0: it's imagine someone idea. cuts you off in traffic, and there's like ah, oh, here's a hundred bucks. Wouldn't that be like oh wow yeah, I just made hundred dollars. Like that that's would kinda kind of solve sad the though, It's not. I mean? It's, it's like, not though. Well, no, it's true.
2: I yeah. think it's very true. You could solve anything like that. <laughs> I mean, you know, if money. somebody cuts you off and there was no damage done, yeah. you didn't do it on purpose, you know, and the person apologizes, that's being human. Yeah. You know, but if you hit your car, and you didn't want the insurance claim because your rates going to go up. And you know damn well that that damage isn't really that much. It's only you can have it fixed for a hundred bucks, and the guy gives you say hundred and fifty for your trouble, whatever. It's a good way of just, you know, people just need to come together, find a meeting point, meeting ground, and 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 make things happen to where it's peace. I don't believe in violence. Yeah. I don't. I cannot believe in this day and age with all the technology we got. With all the space travel we're doing and all the uh, electric cars and you know, Teslas, uh-huh. were still hurting each other? You would think violence wouldn't even play a role in the human society anymore. It's not logical. How is destroying a country helping anyone? How is it helping? But I don't you? think many people are as
0: logical as you look at life. It seems like emotion really runs the majority of people out there. What
2: is, what is, oh, let's get down to it. What's Russia yeah. going to have if they totally destroy Ukraine? They're going to have a country that's totally worthless garbage. I hate to see destruction of real estate. Oh. When you're in real estate, all right, listen, if the building's got to go and it's falling apart and you got to knock it down like you do to casinos here, that's understandable. It's logical you're going to build something new. But to go in, and destroy families and people's lives and and things that have been existing for many, many years, where is the reason in it? Where is the reason? That's not solving the problem. You know, crushing somebody is not the way to do it. You know, it's better, you know, you find a common ground. Find a solution that works for everybody. Violence, it's not humanly, it shouldn't be a part of our society anymore. I'm sorry. I mean, I I know it sounds nuts that I'm saying that. But I don't feel that anybody should have any reason, you know. I mean, yes, the person that, if you're defending yourself, well, that person that you're defending yourself from shouldn't be violent to begin with. So you wouldn't have to defend yourself. I mean, you know, we got a lot of issues in society. We need to focus on, you know, taking all the violent people that we do have and trying to either correct them or do something with them. But we need a nonviolent society. I think, you know, I've been to other countries. And it's scary. I mean, the governments are, are very, some of the governments in these countries are very dangerous. I mean, you know, you go to China, you say the wrong thing in China, you're in yeah. big trouble. Come on.
1: I think the difference is that you, and I feel like Graham and mm. I are probably pretty similar. It's, it's just too logical. I know. You know what I mean? It, it, you can't relate to the average person. It's like, I mean, we're, we are animals. We are driven by our animalistic instincts and our emotions and our desires. to control them. And stuff like that. This our the brain way.
2: should take control over our emotions. Yeah. It should, 100%. Okay, we have brains that have created all this stuff. You know how this, the world has progressed in the past 50 years alone? I mean, it has gotten better, yeah. right? We still have. In many ways, I think for a lot of people, so all easier. it takes one
0: one trigger and people lose their temper, and they could do one thing that they throw their lives away on. I right?
2: think, unfortunately, I'm sorry to say, people may not like me saying it. I think religion, when it's when it's taken to the extreme, mm. number one, I don't care what anybody believes in. You could sit in a corner and stand on your head, as long as you're not bothering nobody. If you think that that's your life and you enjoy it, it makes your life peaceful or content. Be my guest. I don't care. But when you feel like you have to force your beliefs on someone else, okay, and you're willing to go to violence to do it, you know, I mean, a lot of these religions, they're practicing uh, traditions that went on thousands of years ago. We're a lot different human beings than we were a thousand years ago. Okay, let's get real now. You know, I mean, you know, it's fine. You want to believe in Something, see, I'm also with me. You got to prove to me. You gotta, I'm, I'm the type of person I need to be proven. Okay, you can tell me this person exists or this exists and that exists. Prove it. I want to see it. What do you believe in when it comes to that? I just believe that we're all here for this little amount of time on this earth. All right, we're intelligent and we need to keep progressing to be, you know, get along. Everybody should get along. All right, we're all not going to be filthy rich. All right, yes, the world does need people to be landscapers. The world does need people to do all sorts of jobs, and that's the world we live in. But everybody should be treated with respect, okay? If everybody just respected each other and everybody got their own space and respect, the world would be a perfect place. I don't know why we can't accomplish that, you know? It just doesn't make sense. We got AI now. AI. So all I hear about is AI, oh. AI, AI. At the convention I'm at, AI, yeah. AI, AI. Let me talk <laughs> to AI.
0: You know what's funny? Pretty soon, um, I think actually, are we doing the sponsor where they're able to take your face and then make that into a video? And they take your voice and face and it'll look just like you. So you could be speaking right here as AI. We could do the whole thing. You train the, the model and mm-hmm. we could just have a conversation with you. And you can control what I'm saying.
1: There's a podcast yeah. out there. I'm not going to say which podcast, but the audio got messed up. We've already posted it. It did very well for us. And we ran the entire audio track through AI. And then an AI voice regurgitated in more clarity the entire transcript of the podcast, matching each person's voice. So if you guys want to try to figure out which oh, one that is. I don't even know which one it is. Could you, could you
0: say it and we'll bleep it out?
1: Sure. It was uh, Justin Waller. No, the entire podcast was AI. Are you serious? Yep. We use AI on the iced coffee hour. No, like, yep. I had no idea. Yep, it's all AI. It's not actually. It sounds voice. that's one podcast. I'm not going to say perfect. which
2: one it is. Yeah, I, I had, I had no idea. Last night, told me he can do a book on my a book. He said I can write a book totally with AI. Yep, Simple. I mean that's I'm that's awe, that's why man. the a I lot had of the, No idea. The entire thing's AI. Yeah. Why? How bad? Because was
1: it? It, we had buzzing, so like you could remove. Sounds that are input actually and recorded into the track. So, like a lot of the times, I don't know if you guys won't care about this, but it's kind of interesting. When we record is. in the Ice Coffee Hour, a lot of the times there would just be random interference. So, for example, if we have a battery pack that's sitting on one of the cables, these are analog cables that we record all the audio into. If you have something like a power cord that's resting on top of it, it for some reason just makes buzzing start to appear. So, you can have like bzz, 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 as we're talking, and you can remove that as long as you have a transcript of the words and a general idea of. The way that someone's voice sounds, you just read it with AI and then spit it out with AI again, and it can work. The and question is: insane. Are you real or are you AI? That's a good. Are, are any of us real or AI? If anyone's AI here, I would say it's probably you. Yeah. you're AI. I, I know. Yeah, I know we do this with. No, he's uh, just a
2: artificial. He's just, I know we do this with, no some our, with some of our
0: some of our TikToks. <laughs> so what we'll do with AI, and this is incredible, is uh, Josh, who runs our TikToks sometimes wants a good hook in the beginning because you got to get people in the first, like, second. And he'll say, Graham, could you just repeat into the mic, say this one phrase, and I'll say it. And then what he could do is he could take my face and make it look as though I'm saying exactly that on the TikTok as a hook, even though I've never said that on camera before. I don't even realize when I'm doing it or when I'm not. Sometimes I could slightly point it out if, you, if I know the specific one you could kind of tell, but
1: if you don't pay attention, I would have no idea. It's scary. It's insane. We've used it for titles of videos. We've used it for guest research. Before we shoot with someone, we just ask AI like what are some interesting topics we can talk to? So and d- so it's about? G- Some of them are good. We we used to do this long you
2: online dating now. Yeah. We I'm dating in an base. AI now. So that's <laughs> dating an AI. His A.I. is going to somebody else's A.I., yeah. and now they're going to have A.I. together. Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah, it's crazy.
1: I, I, I want to know.
2: <laughs> this is this could get me in a lot of trouble, but I'm just going to say it. We're
1: talking about being logical, rational. That's how you go through all of life's problems. Now, you know, I have had a girlfriend before. And when she comes at me, when she came at me with, you know, certain issues, a lot of times I would try to solve them. I would be like, here, this is the rational and logical way of solving this issue and that would not yield the best benefit. Usually that would really upset her. So how do you navigate relationships, let's say?
2: Listen, I'm gonna get in a lot of trouble for this, but Money. it doesn't work with women. <laughs> okay. It only works with business and numbers and deals. If it has to do with a relationship with a woman, you could throw logic out the goddamn window, <laughs> no. okay? This is anecdotal, guys. This is not you know general broad sweep. You know, it's, it's I mean, you know, I just tell my, you know, when you're in a relationship, basically, I'm going to be married 20 years next month. When you're in a relationship, you finally figure out basically the simplest way to deal with your wife is just agree with her. Agree with her. But what if it's something you
0: really disagree with? You just don't want that, whatever it might be. Do you still agree? Or, like, when
2: do you decide when to push back? I don't know. I typically agree. (laughs) Unless it means it to cost me a lot of money. (laughs) I'll cry poverty, but... uh, But you're fine bending your principles of, like... It had to be something really serious. I mean, you know, listen, you know, every relationship is different, you know. I mean, me and my wife are 100% opposite. There is not one thing in common... Between me and my wife. How did it work out in the first place? You know, because maybe being opposites really works. You know, um, I don't know. Like, you know, my wife's a lot younger than me. So she likes to, you know, do everything a younger person like to do. She likes to party. She likes to, you know, have a good time, uh, which I used to do, but I'm older now. She likes to go running. She likes to work out. She plays tennis. You know, she, she worries about things that I could care less about, what we're eating or, you know, we're opposite in every possible way you can imagine. Okay. And somehow it works. What
1: bonded you two together then? Um, Was it physical attraction and then everything else followed suit?
2: Well, for me, it was physical. I don't know if it was for her. It was physical for me and she saw opportunity with me, you know, but, um, you know, I mean, I don't know. Well I know is that you know we've been accepting each other and putting up with each other yeah. for almost 20 years. And um, you know her world is totally different than mine. Totally different. We don't work together. Uh, I don't get involved with the, her world with the house the kids or the day day stuff. Uh, you know and, and I focus on making money and we enjoy a lot of time together. What do you guys do together? Oh, I mean, we got you know, we go out on a boat. We'll take the boat all over the Bahamas. We'll take trips. Um, you know, uh, we do whatever. You know, go out to dinner. We go to parties. Whatever. I mean, we have a social life. And um, but um, we're total opposites. You know. Can so you see me playing tennis? Come on. <laughs> so, so you
1: just agree with the the wife in the situation, but you That's also agrees with me.
2: It's like she's got her department and I got my department, okay. She's not going to come in and say, "Okay, listen, you need to sell that hotel." <laughs> it's not going to happen. She's not going to, you know, she's not going to cross into a world. That Has she's she ever not tried? Her... <clears throat> no, I don't recall her ever. Like a house, Has like she sees something stressing you I out mean, yeah, for a while. We just bought her you sister know? a house. Yeah. Okay, because we sold a hotel in Fort Lauderdale. Her sister's moving back home. She's taking over all, all, all my beach property hotels, and uh, we need to find a sister a house. So, you know, to me, I told my wife to handle it. Well, of course, that didn't work so good. But, you know, her sister wanted one thing. She wants another. It's not good enough for my sister. Blah, blah, blah. Anyway, long story short, I told my wife, you know, listen, do whatever you feel best as far as a house is I is, um, go along with, you know, so.
0: Why not rent the house? This is the one for 1.2.
2: Yeah. Um, renting a house is just, you know, I don't know. It just—if I would have rented the house, it probably a house like that in that neighborhood. It probably would have cost me at least um, six, seven grand a month. Probably, oh, that's yeah, a lot. yeah that's... it's a big house. I mean, the yeah. house is like forty-five hundred square feet. You got four yeah. children, uh, you know, and. Uh, we're pretty much on the level where, you know, and a is like one of my, it's just is my daughter, basically. I okay. raised like my daughter. Okay. So, you know, when it comes to your kids, sure. it does get emotional with real estate because you want your kids to live somewhere nice. All my kids live in big, beautiful homes, which they're entitled to. They deserve it, you know. So, you know, she should have her own home. And, uh, you know, renting her a house would be very, this is more of a permanent thing too. Yeah, I got It's it. not like a temporary situation. Typically I would always rent, Yeah, you know, uh, if she's living here for a year or there for oh, two right. years, yeah, rent her a house. But in this situation, we're trying to get her stable and, you know, more permanent. So we bought the house and I got a good deal on it. I'm happy with the price we paid. It was on the market of a million five. 000, we paid a million two and it came fully furnished right. and everything really quality. And everybody lived happily ever after. And I agreed with my wife on the house that uh, she thought we should buy. So we're all happy. Seems like you really don't like having lasting issues or things that you're
1: not content with. Like you just like to, all right, let's, let's figure it out. Let's move on. Fine. That's yeah, good. I, and I then got, it's- every
2: day I got different things, fires to put out. I'm constantly waking up every morning, putting fires out. Okay. Figuring out what are the problems right now that we're facing? What do I got to do to solve them? You know, and uh, that's what I do for a living, managing a portfolio. How did you meet your wife? Family was the caretakers in probably the most dangerous building in Oakland, California at the time that nobody wanted to buy. I used to buy all the rough stuff that nobody else wanted because that's the only place I can get in, you know. Um, no competition, cheaper price, you know. So she lived in a very, very tough building, and I bought it. It was a foreclosure, and it was 14 apartments. that stretched the whole street, city block, and... Um, a family like the caretakers there, you know, which nobody else lived in the building, but them at the point when I bought it, there was nobody else living there but them, you know, and I could have told them to leave. But, you know, I met her grandfather and her family and, and you know, she was very young. We weren't dating, you know, when she was very young, but I met her family and the family started helping me fix up the building. My grandfather was a roofer. Oh, well, let's fix the roof. But he couldn't fix the roof while he was there because there was no money to fix the roof. Well, I came in, I bought the building, I got some money for materials and to pay him some labor. He started helping me fix the roof. Or, you know, when you marry a Mexican, you inherit 15 family members. It's just the way it is. And they all work for me and they all help me, you know accomplish a lot of things so you know next thing you know we're fixing up all the apartments we're painting them we're cleaning them the women are cleaning the the guys are painting we're fixing this we're doing that we're renting them out to section eight and we uh got that building turned around i paid two hundred fifty thousand dollars for that building 14 units you do the math what's that 20 grand a door yeah less than that i probably put like five back then not even a few grand a door into them i sold the place for a million bucks eventually um, but it was a very dangerous place. But we cleaned up the area too, and you know, we used our management skills to make it a garbage to gold. And uh, you know, and then as she got older, you know, we uh, we you know, you
1: just you know. stayed close with <laughs> with her and her family and stuff I mean, like that. Family became very close yeah. to me
2: because we were we worked for me. We worked together every day. You know, and then she matured into a young woman, and um, you know we had the attraction, and we got married. So, and, um,
0: but like, when would when did you ask her on a first date? Like, how did that even come up in a conversation where you said, "Hey," she
2: actually pursued me. She did. Yeah, she'll deny it, but she pursued me. How I did remember. That I, I, I kind of remember when I seen right. yeah. a twinkle in her eye. We finally got the building all rented, and. My partner, I had a partner then, too. He he didn't want to buy the building. He was afraid to. But I told him, listen, I can handle it. And then I had him come back and take a second look after we got rid of all the criminal activity around there and stuff. Anyway, we got the building rented. The building had a laundry room. And my partner, even though he had all these millions of dollars, he got some kind of personal thrill of me and him going around, all right, in his big fancy Mercedes, whatever he was driving that day. And taking the money out of the damn laundry machines. Yes. Bags of quarters. He loved it. And I loved it too, because I didn't have much money, and half the money was mine. So we it was like a tradition. You know, we go around all our buildings. We had, you know, a few, well, some were his, some were mine, some were partners, whatever. Anyway, we go around one day every other week and we collect all these bags of money, and then we take them to the bank and put them in the machine, they count them up and sh- 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 you know, we'd have some cash, you know, whatever, deposit, whatever. Anyway, long story short, I remember I seen a twinkle in her eye. because Let's face it, I was very poor back then, and she was very poor. Um, when she saw me carrying those bags of money that's what that's did that it I think so <laughs> the one bag. day I dropped the bag yeah. and the quarters were everywhere all these kids in the rough neighborhood were and, and that's what sparked she saw and that she came down and protected me <laughs> was she picking up quarters too yeah but she was giving them to me and, yeah you know, hey, listen we both came from a very very tough place and very very poor place and um, we struggled together for a while but it was great you know we made yeah. it
1: that's cool that you've you've acquired all of this wealth with her you know what I mean? Like I feel like you don't see that a lot. It's more of a rare thing where yeah. you got this, like, you know. Well, the I acquire
2: it and she spends it. But the, no, the age good. difference, yeah. you know, with the yeah, with yeah. the wealth and Listen, everything. You know, everybody's yeah. different. It worked for us, you know. It, it doesn't work for everybody, but it works for us. And, we, you know, she's helped me raise, you know, children from uh, previous. I helped raise her daughter. Right. I mean, her sister. Uh, you know, it's been a, a weird situation, but, you know. We both always work together and try to do the right thing for everybody.
0: Is there anything you guys disagree about? Or, if for the most part, do you just agree with whatever she wants?
2: No, I mean, you know, we, we disagree. You know, everybody's in disagreements, but nothing that serious, you know. Um, you know, she might want to buy a... million yacht, and I'd rather find a bargain that's worth, I can buy for two that's worth maybe three or four, and yeah we have our little disagreements, but we always work it out, we always find a middle ground we always find a meeting place, you know she's always going to complain about what I'm eating, but you know, that's good for me. Do you feel like you need to eat a little bit healthier for her, or is it all just... Well, I need to do I need to take care of myself so I can you know, do it for everybody else, you know and then, you know, she's a drinker and I'm not we opposites. I don't drink. She drinks. Why do you not drink? It puts me to sleep. That's what, you know? that's what it does to me. me too. Vodka, vodka Red Bull. She, she, she starts no. drinking tequila and she's drinking margaritas and all She's ready to party, baby. You know, me, I'm... You know, I mean, this that's is what it
0: is. Andrew Huberman yeah. did a whole podcast on the effects of alcohol, and he noted that in people's brains, you either have the type where they drink and they get really energetic or the people who drink and it puts them to sleep. And there's something in your brain that you just Which process one are alcohol... You? Sleep.
1: Me too. Yeah, yeah, me, I go right to sleep. It's, it's terrible. It's yeah. really bad. I so have I one go drink. Straight I to sleep. Just, it makes I'm me tired, not want to drink. But if you continue you to drink, drink then. If you if you continue to drink Th- like past the point of being tired, yeah. and everyone's all excited, then I can get the energy. Yeah. But my default is just like I slump and I just go Me on too. a couch. If there's you a couch nearby, what? and I fall asleep. It might be 20
0: minutes where I have a bit of energy, mm-hmm. a bit more talkative, mm-hmm. but then immediately after it's sleep, unless I
2: just keep drinking. But yeah,
1: if you keep drinking, then you can yeah. get the energy. But like three, be four rude, drinks, but I gotta go. All right. Yes. Okay. Cool. Is there anything else that there's to? Anything else you want
2: to cover? Okay. Um, the real deal is this. Yes. Get ready, because what's the worst thing that happened? It doesn't happen? Did you get ready? Mm-hmm. Get ready seriously. Deals are coming. They have to. Trust me. I'm watching cap rates going up. Now's the time to start looking and watching and lowballing. All right. There's no emotion in doing a real estate deal. If the guy wants a million bucks, offer him 750. That's the world we live in right now, and that's what you should be trying to do. Because he may not take it now, but you'd be surprised. A month from now, you might get a phone call. Or you might take 8 or 8.50, and you might say, oh, that's still a good deal. So be prepared, because we have to. It has to happen. When the bad shit happens, that's when opportunity knocking at the door. Don't don't make sure you answer the door. Don't just look at them on the ring. Deal. Amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you so really much. It. It. I, I, every time I see I it, know. puts a big
1: old smile on my face. We oh, could do this ahead. easily another two hours. I know. Three yeah. hours. Is and unfortunately, yeah. um,
2: I would stay as long as you want, but... I got people I'm obligated to. Well, thanks, Ben. Really Thank appreciate you. it. Thank, Thank you, you, you guys for tuning appreciate in. It. Thanks for watching. Until next time. Adios, amigos. And don't forget, go to Ben or on YouTube and Ben's hotels, BenMaller.com Hotel. If you want to consult with Ben, How one day consult- you-